there. You're listening to the Estranged Heart Podcast, and I'm your host, Creed Revere. Welcome back to our returning listeners, and if this is your first time here, thank you for selecting this podcast to listen to. As we begin today's episode, I invite you to grab a cup of coffee or tea, settle in, and as always, listen with an open heart. But first, the disclaimer, I am not a licensed therapist or counselor. Nothing within this podcast should be considered or taken as therapy. If you are in need of therapeutic support, such as counseling, please seek out a therapist near you. A couple of things I wanted to chat about briefly before we dive into today's episode is number one, a big, huge thank you to those of you who have left a review of the podcast. Um, This leaving a review does many different things. Um, It first and foremost helps me to know and, and guide what I talk about on episodes because it gives me an indication on what is resonating with you. Where are you feeling um, supported? What are you getting from the podcast? Things of that nature. And that's first and foremost, the most important thing to me. The second piece of that is it helps to um, get the, the podcast out more so to the public. So when we're talking about, you know, things like social media and podcasts, everything is on ratings and reviews. And as much as I, that just makes my skin crawl um, because I think that all of us bring value uh, to the table um, and we all have different, quote unquote, different audiences. Um, and so I, th- I think it's all valuable. <laughs> um, nonetheless, in order to have a podcast um, gain momentum and be out there uh, more prevalent in the public sphere uh, is based on ratings and reviews. And that um, your ratings and reviews help this podcast to do that. And the reason I mention that is because you know as well as I know that there are so many estranged people in this world and being able to get this podcast out there to potentially help others, I know I'm not going to be able to help everyone. And I know I'm not everyone's cup of tea. But if it can help others on some level, that's the that's the purpose of this podcast, right? Is to be able to help other people. And so the more the ratings are, the better the ratings are, the higher it climbs um, on the scale of... <laughs> the podcast world and the more people it reaches. And so those of you who have left reviews and um, ratings, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, because you're not only doing this for, you know, to get a message to me, you're by doing this, you're also helping other people. So second thing is, um, a reminder that uh, for the online support group that I run, Um, through Facebook. If you're on Facebook and you are looking for support and are an estranged adult, I'm sorry, an estranged mother, please feel free to look us up. Um, If you identify as spiritual and not religious, you approach estrangement with a sense of curiosity rather than blame and judgment. And if you desire uh, to do uh, inner self-work and reflection, then we would love to have you as a part of our group. And you can find us on facebook.com 
backslash estranged mothers support group. So that being said, let's jump into today's episode. As always, we begin with a a quote or two. And today's quote, um, I actually have two. Uh, The first one is, let go or be dragged. A Zen proverb. And the second is, we could spend our lives waiting for someone to apologize or take responsibility for how they hurt us before we decide to let go. But the problem with that scenario is we've made someone else in charge of how and when we heal. If we truly want to break a cycle and heal, we have to forget about what the other person is or is not doing and focus entirely on our own process. Unknown. And let me just say that by letting go, I that's a term that I don't, as a mother, that I, I it just rubs me the wrong way. Um, I prefer the term let it be as opposed to let it go. To me, let it go as a mom means I'm letting my kids go and I, I don't have them in my life and I don't care about them and I don't, that, and that's not what, what, I resonate with at all. I do, however, resonate with let it be by letting my children be instead of forcing and trying to co-opt a particular thought, emotion, feeling, action from them is to let it be. And so when I read that uh, quote for um, the the let go um, or be dragged, I kind of let it I read it as let, let it be or be dragged. So um, as we get into this today, uh, today's episode is, um, you know, titled Apologies and Amends Letters. Are they really necessary? And um, this is probably one of the top five topics discussed in the world of estrangement. Um, and I hear it from both sides, from estranged adult children and estranged mothers. Um, both, both sides are wanting apologies. And, um, I know I was there at one point in time. I just could not imagine moving forward and having a relationship with my adult children, my adult adult daughters without an apology from them. And, um, I remember a conversation I had with my parents at one point in time, just, you know, demanding that they, I am owed an apology. They owe me an apology for how they have hurt me and how dare they do this. And then how dare they not apologize for having hurt me. And now working on our fifth year, um, post, uh, you know, post estrangement and in, in reconciliation, I look at that and I think how utterly, um, it, it just unhealthy that was, um, and how much it kept me trapped. It didn't keep them trapped. They weren't concerned with that at all. I was the one who was an emotional mess and making demands and not getting on with my life because I hadn't received this apology and swirling in this emotional, this, this distressed emotional soup because I wasn't getting an apology. Didn't affect them at all. It was affecting me. And so again, 
I can see that now being on the other side of things. And I, I know that, you know, there will be people to say, well, you're, you know, of course you don't see it now. You know, you think there's no need for it now because you, you are, you're reconciled with your children. Um, but that's, that's not true. The reason I don't today need an apology from my children or want an apology from my children is very different than even three years ago where I thought that I would like to have an apology. I'm in a completely different place and that's because I've done so much inner work on myself that I no longer need it. It's no longer a need for me. And I can still have healthy, loving relationships with my daughters without having that apology from them, without having received an apology from them. So, um, I wrote on, um, Instagram many, many months ago, something that I wanted to share with you today. Um, and it was on, on the subject, um, of, of the apology and regarding that quote that I I read earlier, um, about letting go. Right. And what I wrote was the moment I decided to focus on healing my heartbreak from the estrangement is the moment the game changed. It's the moment when I looked, when I took back control of my life and in the end reconciled with my adult children, it was one of the hardest things to do. Letting go of my desire need for an apology or insisting that my adult children take responsibility for the estrangement. It was uncomfortable, challenged all of my perceptions and beliefs and brought up all sorts of memories and emotions that left me wanting to quit the process most every single day. But I stayed the course, leaned into the pain, um, what I was, the pain from what I was not getting from my children, uh, you know, contact, apologies, etc., And I got curious about what the roots of the issues were, took a long, hard look at what I thought my adult children were upset about and set out to course correct. And I do that a thousand times over um, if it brought me and my adult children back together again. Um, You know, the definition, let's talk about apologies first. The definition of an apology is something that you say or write in order to tell someone that you're sorry that you have hurt them or caused trouble for them. Okay. Um, Our adult children are asking for an apology for the hurts they received through our action or in action when they were children. A lot of um, estranged mothers talk about the fact that these, quote unquote, these kids are in this new fad of going to therapy. Well, I don't, mm, I don't think it's a new fad. I think it's more acceptable today to go to therapy than it was back when a lot of estranged mothers were their adult children's ages. Um, you know, back in the day, it was, was not common. It was not a, it was not seen as something good to do in many, many, many households and in many cultures. Um, it, it was taboo. And today on some level, it still is. 
in some cultures. It's just not something that they do, <laughs> um, whether that's a family culture or a societal culture. Um, and it's something that's frowned, frowned upon. However, do I think it's a fad? No. I think, um, I think our children are seeking ways to have a happier, healthier life. And this is one avenue that works for some. So when they get into therapy, they start talking about, you know, most therapy is, is, um, talking about the past and, and how you've got to where you are today and how you, it is that you have the feelings and emotions that you have today. Um, oftentimes that stems from core beliefs that were built upon or built and built upon as children. And so they're seeking an apology for the hurts they received when they were young. Hurts such as, I didn't feel seen, I didn't feel heard, um, you know, my mom thought everything was about her, she just talked nonstop about all of her things, her, her interests, her work, um, you know, my dad, you know, talked about how much I wasn't getting it right. And, you know, no matter how hard I tried, there was always something more that I could do or better, I could do it better. Um, instead of just feeling like they belonged and were loved for who they were in the moment. Okay. Um, and I'm telling you this in part from the perspective of a therapy client. I mean, I am a therapy client. I went to therapy in the middle of my estrangement. I continued in therapy post estrangement and I am still in therapy today because I am dedicated to continuing to learn more about myself and what makes me operate, what is driving my behaviors, what's driving my emotions and growing and evolving from there. And I am here to tell you that people who knew me even five years ago, but 10, 15, 20 years ago, look at me today and they, it's as, as if I'm two different people. And I, I, in large part, owe that to therapy. So, and those are things that you're, that our adult children are discovering. They're working on themselves. They're trying to figure out what the hell my life is not operating effectively something is wrong. Something somewhere is not working. What is it? They don't know what it is. So they go to therapy to try to figure that out. And if they're working with a good therapist, a good therapist will help them to make those discoveries themselves. And this is in one in part, one reason why therapy takes a long time. It's not a quick fix is that it goes on at the speed and pace of the client. Um, and so if a client is coming into therapy and they're, they're clueless as to what's going on in their life and why it's going on, then that takes some unraveling and it takes time and, and patience to be able to unravel those things. So anyway, sorry, off topic, um, back to the, the subject of apologies. Um, you know, an apology says, I see you and I acknowledge the hurt you felt you, or you feel when I do A, B, C, or D, or when I don't do A, B, C, or D, right? So that's an apology. And this is what our adult children are, are, are seeking. Now, estranged parents are seeking 
So, you know, our adult children are seeking an apology for things that happened in, in typically long ago or far enough into the past that it can no longer qualify as present. Um, and our estranged parents are seeking an apology for the estrangement, for this, what's happening in their life right now, for having hurt them via an estrangement. So while they're both seeking the same thing, it's for very different reasons. Very, very, very different reasons. So, um, and one, one of the things that I just want to kind of go over real quick with you is I want you, if you're an estranged parent, I want you to think about the word demand. Okay. How do you feel when someone, anyone, a spouse, a friend, a boss, a neighbor, anyone demands something from you? Are you, do you get that warm, fuzzy feeling? Do you think, oh, absolutely. I absolutely want to do that for you. Or are you thinking, uh, no, I don't think so. No one is going to tell me and demand that I do anything. Because I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet you're probably in that, that, you know, that second group. Right? I know I am. If anyone demands something of me, I am more than likely going to push back. And they're not going to get anything, let alone what they want. So by demanding that our adult children apologize before we can even entertain reconciliation, uh, in my opinion, you're fighting a losing battle. You're not going to win. Most people do not react well to having, having a demand placed upon them. So just want to say that. I also want to ask, in demanding an apology, do you feel that it will lead to an authentic apology? So let's just say someone, you know, an estranged child, adult child, you know, you place this demand upon them to apologize to you and they do because you've demanded that. Do you think that that's an authentic apology or do you think that perhaps maybe they're apologizing out of fear? Out of fear of if I don't apologize, then I won't be in the will. If I don't apologize, then mom and dad aren't going to help me with my college fund. If I don't apologize, you see where I'm going with this? And I don't know about you, but if I'm going to receive an apology from someone and it actually means something to me, I want it to be an authentic apology. And something authentic does not generally come out of a demand. So just food for thought. Um, I now want to talk about amends letters. I um, actually received an email um, or contact from an estranged mom who um, has sent off a, an amends letter to her estranged adult child. 
and actually received back um, a willingness to open the conversation from her child. And, um, and she thanked me for, um, you know, my suggestions, my, my parts and, um, talking about the amends letters, what really needs to go into an amends letter, um, how to craft one, what can make one work and one not work, um, you know, necessarily so and she followed a, a you know what my suggestions and my suggestions I want to just say come from um, I learned a lot through dr. Joshua Coleman and his take on amends letters and I know that um, it's it's hard I could have never written an amends letter that was effective when I was newly in my estrangement or near the, you know, I, I could not have done it because I, I had not done the healing work on myself to be able to look at it from the perspective of my adult child. So I, I did not write an amends letter to my adult children. And I do know that Dr. Coleman does um, suggest amends letters. Um, and maybe, maybe it was, um, you know, that my estrangement did not last long enough to consider an amends letter of sorts, or I didn't know enough about estrangement to even know what an amends letter was. I don't know what, you know, what it was, but I, nonetheless, I did not write one. Um, however, those folks who do write an amends letter and really come at it from the perspective of how their adult child feels and nothing about them as a parent that is it's generally taken fairly well the ones that i see where they write an amends letter and it's not received well there's generally something within the letter that is about the parent and the, the adult child just doesn't want to hear it. They just don't. So I wanted to go over, um, you know, there, there's an art to writing an amends letter, right? And Dr. Coleman um, makes the suggestion of writing one amends letter. And if there's no response from that amends letter that is received, um, you know, within six weeks or so, or within six weeks or so, he um, suggests uh, sending a follow-up letter or an email or text um, around the six-week mark or so. And then if there's still no response from that, he suggests not making another attempt um, for contact for at least a year. And I, I want to I say that I see a lot of parents who rush in to send an amends letter and they're doing it because they're in desperate need to be reconnected with their child and that energy goes into the letter and that is what the adult child feels when they're reading that letter they can there it, it there's an energy transference that happens and the kids can sense when it's a letter that is authentic and meaningful and filled with patience and um 
and then one that is filled with um, desperation. They can absolutely sense that. And so I'm going to go through and I just want to read um, some of these letters um, that Dr. Dr. Coleman talks about. Um, and, and then we, he also lists the reason why it's problematic for uh, the sample letters that are the an incorrect way of, of writing an amends letter. So the first one is... Um, are you know basically these statements right when you're putting these statements in the amends letter the statement of i'm sorry that you think i wasn't a good mother the problem is saying that you think i wasn't a good mother sounds defensive isn't that what i just was talking about <laughs> defensive and de- desperation um, we all let our children down in one way or another it's better to say I am sorry for the ways that I wasn't a good mother or I'm sorry for the pain that I have caused you. Can you, can you hear the difference between those? The first one says that you think I wasn't a good mother. To me, if I were an adult child and let's remember, I have been an estranged adult child. If I received that from my mother, I would be livid. I would be like, the very first thing I would say is, oh, so you think, I think you weren't a good mother? Automatic walls go up. Not talking about this. Not discussing this anymore. As opposed to, I'm sorry for the ways that I wasn't a good mother. It's a fact. It's a statement. And to your child, if that is a complaint that your your strange adult child has had was that you were not a good mother to them, that is their belief. And no amount of defending and, and pointing the finger at them because they were, well, I was, wasn't a good mother because you weren't a good child, or I wasn't a good mother because you were a difficult child, or I wasn't a good mother because your dad was a piece of shit, or whatever the case may be, they're looking at that as an excuse. Instead of just saying to them, I am sorry I wasn't a good mother or I am sorry for the pain that I have caused you because your kid is saying I have pain because I believe you were not a good mother to me so if you can't say I'm sorry I wasn't a good mother maybe you can say I'm sorry for the pain that I caused you right And let's also take into consideration the perspective of not a good mother, right? Your perception of what a good mother is or is not is likely very different than the perspective that your adult child has on what is a good mother or a good parent or not. So we tend to see things through the lens, the lenses that have been colored by our life experiences, right? Your child has not lived your life experiences. So they are not going to see things through the same lens through which you see life and vice versa. You have not lived the life experience that your child has lived. And therefore you will not be able to see things through their perspective through their lens of life. But you can 
try to get there, or at least open the door to make room for there to be two different perceptions, right? Okay, the second one, I, the, the quote that is the statement that is, is problematic is, I really tried to be the best one that I could, meaning the best mom or the best parent. And Dr. Coleman says that this is problematic because it's true, but again, the goal of the letter is to help your child believe that your goal isn't to defend yourself, but to see the world from their perspective. Remember that what you tell yourself is different from what you tell your child. You tell yourself that you tried to be the best parent you could, you tell your child that you're sorry for the ways that you were not. None of us as parents are perfect. So apologize for that. Get off of your high horse of saying, well, of course I I wasn't a perfect parent. No parent is perfect and no, certainly no child is perfect. Look at my kid, for example. Get off of that high horse for half a second and simply acknowledge the fact that you were not a perfect parent and because of that, somewhere along the way, you hurt your child. I hurt my kids and I've talked about this in many episodes. I hurt my children. I know I did not do it with intent. I know that, but my children don't need to hear that. What my children need from me is the apology, the apology that says, I am so sorry I hurt you. Think about this. If someone hurts you, If your spouse, let's say you're an estranged mom and your husband hurts you and you tell him this, you have hurt me. That was uncalled for. You're being a really nasty spouse. And he comes at you with, well, nobody's perfect. How, how are you? How does that make you feel? Do you feel heard? Do you feel seen? Does your hurt feel validated? No. No, it doesn't. Now, if you said all of those things to him and he came at you and said, I am so sorry I hurt you. Does that feel different? sounds different when I say it and it even feels different to me as I say it. When you get into this, I was a good, I, I'm, I wasn't a bad mom. You're getting into what I call a pissing contest that you're never going to win. You're getting into this pissing contest with your adult child. And if you If you want to hang on to that and you want to feel right and you want to feel like you, you don't have anything to apologize for and they are not deserving of of an apology from you, then hang on to it. 
but you will also hang on to your estrangement. If your goal is to reconcile, you must come to a place. And again, I could not get there. Had it, I would have not been there today had it not been for therapy. I Therapy was the key for me and my curiosity and my willingness to dive into my own shit. I could not do it on my own. So, again, when you think about these things for your child, I'm asking you to say, okay, what if this was not about me and my child, but what if this was about me and my spouse or me and my neighbor or me and my, my parent, <laughs> right? Or what if it was me and a friend or me and a coworker, right? There's, there's heavy energy charges when it comes to, um, you know, a parent-child relationship and where, you know, there's a lot of charges, a lot of buttons to be pushed. And so if we can kind of step back from that and put it in context of a, a relationship that's not so highly charged, sometimes we can, we can come to those answers on our own. So that's one possibility. So the next um, example of a, a statement within an amends letter is, quote, I always felt like I did a pretty good job. And that, according to Dr. Coleman, is problematic because for the purpose of the letter, this isn't relevant. The goal of the letter isn't self-expression per se. It's to communicate a willingness and desire to see things from your child's perspective. Right or wrong, they are currently fixated on the ways that they believe that you didn't do a good job. So defending yourself is counterproductive. It's just counterproductive. The fourth one is, it's very, it was very hard raising you as a single mother with very little money and no support from your father. Now I'm going to tell you, this was my story for much of my, the, my kids growing up years. Um, and I've, I have said these things to my kids pre-estrangement, right? I talked about how hard it was to raise them. Their fathers never helped, yada, yada, yada. So Dr. Coleman says this statement is problematic within an amends letter because the most problematic part of this is the criticism of the father. Again, while the parent is stating a real fact, it tempts the child to defend the other parent and distracts him or her from your positive intention. Let me read that again. The prob most problematic part of this is the criticism of the father. Again, while the parent is stating a real fact, it tempts the child to defend the other parent and distracts him or her from your positive intention. And the fifth one is, the statement is, I did try and I did love you and hopefully that counts for something. So according to Dr. Coleman, it's problematic by saying that it hopefully counts for something 
sounds critical, as though the child has no right to the perspective that she has. Therefore, it will make her feel defensive. And again, I just want to encourage you to turn that around. If you're having an argument with your spouse, right, about how he has not been there for the family and was always at work and all these things, and he turns around and says to you, I did try and I did love you, and hopefully that counts for something. How's that going to make you feel? Do you feel like you were heard? Do you feel like you were seen? Do you feel like your feelings were validated? Probably no. As opposed to if he just turned around and said, I am so sorry I hurt you. Okay. So a sample, a sample of a good amends letter. Example is, Dear Monica, I'm so sorry for the ways that I let you down as a parent. I know that I was harsh in many ways and that that was hurtful to you. I could understand why that might make it harder to spend time with me. It is true that I was preoccupied in many ways when you were young and that it prevented me from being as involved with you as I would have been, as would have been good for you. I'm glad that you let me know how you feel about that, and I hope that there are ways that I can make it up to you in the future. What's right about this letter? The statement, I'm so sorry for the ways that I let you down as a parent. It's a strength because the mother does not try to sugarcoat it. Instead, she goes straight to the heart of the complaint. Her child is saying the mother let her down as a parent, and the mother is saying she's sorry that she did. The second statement, I know that I was harsh in many ways. It was a strength. She admits to being harsh. Again, makes it clear that she's not there to prove the child wrong or overly sensitive. She's straightforwardly admitting to her character flaws. Number three, and that it was hurtful to you. It's a strength because it addresses how the mistake or flaw resulted in the child feeling hurt. And number four, I could understand why that might make it hard for harder to spend time with me. A strength, it emphasizes the child's decision to be distant. Shows strength that she's willing to both admit her mistake as a parent and respect the child's choice, however painful it is to the parent, to the mother. Number five, the statement, I'm glad that you let me know how you feel. The strength, the mother's willingness to put the daughter's criticisms in the perspective of health rather than selfishness or hurtfulness is an act of selfless love on the part of the mother that is rarely missed by adult children, even when they don't verbally acknowledge it. Let me read that again. The mother's willingness to put the daughter's criticisms in the perspective of health rather than selfishness or hurtfulness is an act of selfless love on the part of the mother that is rarely missed by the adult child even when they don't verbally acknowledge it. 
So those are some examples of what not to do, what to do. And I hope that you're able to, I would encourage you to say those things to, you know, for yourself, say them out loud, speak them out loud, and then turn around and use those examples as if this, this estrangement argument, what have you between you and your child is actually an argument between you and your spouse or you and your coworker or whomever. And then I want you to pretend that you're receiving this amends letter from those people. And how would the, the differences make you feel? And I hope that you can see and feel the difference, right? To feel the differences because that's what's most important. One of the, um, I, I posted on um, Instagram earlier this week, a, a quote, um, well, actually, I think it was yesterday. Someone knowing they are loved and feeling loved are two very different things, right? Our children in their heart of hearts know that we love them, but they're feeling loved by us. That's what's running the show. And that's what you got to get to are their feelings. The gray matter doesn't matter at this point. It's the heart. You got to get to the heart of it. That's why this is called the estranged heart. (laughs) Because we're dealing with heart matters here. And it's super important to recognize how they feel or don't feel, what have you. So I hope this gives you some food for thought. Um, I invite you to email me if you have questions about amends letters, if you would like assistance with that. Um, I I work with um, mothers uh, who want to work on writing a strange, um, I'm sorry, writing amends letters. Um, And I'm, you know, if that's a service that you would be interested in, I'm happy to help. Um, it, It has the power to do a lot of good. And it also has the power to do a lot of damage. So writing a really good amends letter um, is critical. So anyway, it's an invitation. This brings this episode to a close. I hope that this time together was time you feel well spent and that you're able to find some takeaway nuggets to help you on your journey, wherever you may be on your estrangement and reconciliation path. If you feel you've received something helpful or positive from this podcast, please consider following us, sharing this podcast with others, and perhaps leaving us a positive review. You can also follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok under the same name, The Estranged Heart. And lastly, if you are interested um, as an estranged parent or estranged adult child to have your story shared on the podcast anonymously or not, please reach out via email to theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Again, theestrangedheart at gmail.com. Until next time.